0: This book is dedicated to my three sisters, Paula, Elizabeth and Sandra, my mother Agnes and my father Patrick. We grew together, we cried together, we stood together and we fought together. I am who I am because of you. I acknowledge the downbeaten, downtrodden, the single mothers and unemployed fathers, the dreamers and wannabes. I am you. And you can do it. Chapter One In the Beginning Have you ever felt like a hamster on a wheel, furiously churning your way through life but somehow going nowhere? All the while you're caught in a loop of constant internal chatter and judgment that never stops. A little voice telling you that you're lazy or stupid or not good enough. You won't even notice the degree to which you believe in it or are drained by it. You'll just be spending your day working to overcome the stresses and strains, trying to live your life, and at various points facing the resignation that if you can't get your ass off this damned wheel, maybe you're never going to get to where you want in life. Maybe that happiness you're after, or that weight you want to lose, or that career or relationship you crave will remain just out of reach. These pages are dedicated to those who experience that self-defeating monologue, the endless stream of doubt and subterfuge that limits and taints everyday life. This is a conversational slap from the universe to wake you up to your true potential, to unfuck yourself and get spectacularly into your life. Let's get this thing started in the right place. There are two kinds of talk you engage in every day. Talking to others and talking to yourself. You might be one of those who insist, I don't talk to myself. But in fact, most of the conversations you have on any given day are with yourself, all enjoyed in the solitude and privacy of your own head. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, Creative or practical, you spend huge swathes of your time talking to you. You do it while exercising, working, eating, reading, writing, walking, texting, crying, arguing, negotiating, planning, praying, meditating, having sex on your own and with others. You name it. And yes, you even do it in your sleep. You're actually doing it right now. Don't worry. Doesn't mean you're crazy. Or perhaps it means we're all a little crazy. Either way, we all do it. So settle in and welcome to the freak show. Studies show that we have over 50,000 thoughts per day. Think of all the things you say to yourself that you'd rather not, or that you try to overcome or defeat. While we have little or no say in those automatic and reactionary thoughts, we have a massive say in which of those thoughts we attach significance to. They don't come preloaded. The latest in neuroscience and psychology adds weight to the idea that the kind of talk you engage in has a profound impact on the quality of your life. Professor Will Hart of the University of Alabama conducted four experiments in which participants either recalled or experienced a positive, negative or neutral event. They found that people who described a neutral event in ways that suggested that it was ongoing actually felt more positive and when they described a the negative event in the same way, they experienced more negativity. In simple terms, the language you use to describe your circumstances determines how you see, experience, and participate in them, and dramatically affects how you deal with your life and confront problems, both big and small. The connection between what we say and how we feel has been known for hundreds if not thousands of years. Philosophers like Wittgenstein, Heidegger, and Gadamer All knew of the importance and significance of language in our lives. Wittgenstein said, The harmony between thought and reality can be found in the grammar of the language. The good news is, studies have continually found that positive self talk can dramatically improve mood, boost confidence, increase productivity, and more, much more. In fact, as evidenced by Professor Hart and his studies, it can be one of the key components to a happy, successful life. The bad news is, the reverse is also true. Negative self-talk can not only put us in a bad mood, it can leave us feeling helpless. It can make small problems seem bigger, and even create problems where none existed before. Here's the breaking news. Your self-talk is fucking you over and in a ways you can't even begin to imagine. With all of this in mind, let's get one thing clear. Even though this book is about using the right language to improve your life, I'm not suggesting you suddenly take on positive thinking or personal affirmations. These subjects have been done to death with varying degrees of success and are certainly not what we'll be doing here. I won't ask you to tell yourself you're a tiger as a way to unleash your inner animal. Firstly, you're not a tiger. And secondly, well, you're, you're not a tiger. This all may work for some people, but I'm much too Scottish for that. To me, being told to do these sort of things feels like being force-fed a bucket of maple syrup liberally sprinkled with bits of last year's candy canes. Thanks, but, uh, no thanks. For all my positives out there, sorry, but we're taking this baby in another direction. This book is designed to give you an authentic leg up, one that feels genuine and right for you and can propel you into greater levels of your true potential. The difference between success and failure. If human emotions largely result from thinking, then one may appreciably control one's feelings by controlling one's thoughts, or by changing the internalized sentences or self-talk with which one largely created the feeling in the first place. That quote comes from Albert Ellis, one of the forefathers of modern psychology. Alice found that how we think and talk about our experiences shifts the way we feel about them. In short, our thoughts are bedfellows with our emotions. Alice also found that the way we think can often be completely irrational. Consider how many times you've told yourself something like, I'm so stupid, I always mess things up. My life is over. Or some negative description of an event like, This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Raise your hand if you've ever completely overreacted to something that in hindsight barely registered on the important ometer. Okay, put your hand down. People are watching. You're starting to look a bit silly. If you look back, you'll see that in the instant before that seemingly random overreaction, You had a flash of outrageous self-talk. Bang. And off you go with your good self. Some of the things we say and do aren't always particularly rational. But we seem to say and do them anyway. In addition, we never really see what we're leaving ourselves with or the emotional residue of engaging in even the mildest of negative self-talk. You see, it's not always dramatic self talk. Sometimes it's subtle, but equally disempowering. If you're working on something, you might think, This is so hard. What if I don't finish in time? Or worry about all the different ways you can mess up, which leaves you in an anxious or worried state. Sometimes negative self talk leads to anger, sadness, or frustration that manifests in different or seemingly unrelated situations. This kind of self-talk doesn't make your life any easier. The more you tell yourself how hard something is, the harder it will actually seem. Unfortunately, since we are constantly listening to a steady stream of our automatic inner thoughts, and have become so accustomed to the critical voice in our heads, we often don't realize how negative thoughts impact our mood and behavior in any given moment. And, as a result, we end up doing or not doing things our rational minds wants us to. For a simple example, take a moment to think about the daily chores you dread the most, all because you've built them up in your mind to be something worse than they really are. We sometimes avoid simple things like folding laundry and unloading the dishwasher, when they actually take little time and effort. With enough of these little persistent items hanging around, it's easy to collapse them in with the bigger, more important things until we find ourselves overwhelmed or exhausted by life. Why do we resist certain things in our lives? We have a personal conversation about those kinds of tasks that is firmly rooted in some negative opinion. Look in your own life for your stuckness. And you'll see what I mean. You have a pretty serious self-talk blockage. How language changes our lives. The way we talk doesn't only affect us in the moment. It can seep into our subconscious and become internalized. at changing our thoughts and behavior in the long term. In real everyday terms, the way we talk to ourselves and others Instantly shapes how we perceive life, and that same perception directly impacts our behaviour right there in the moment. Ignore your perceptions at your peril. Even worse, live with the illusion that you don't have perceptions. If you're sometimes talking about how unfair life is, you'll start to act according to that view. Perceiving slights where none exist or, as studies have shown, putting less effort into your work because you've already determined it won't accomplish anything. The unfair view will quickly become your reality. On the other hand, the person who views success as if it were just around the corner will not only work his butt off to achieve it, but be energized and alive to it and all the while acting on that fundamental view of success. To be clear, believing you will be successful is only one, albeit important, part of success. By the same token, there is a way to accomplish great things without that belief, although the ride will be a bit rougher. If you're worried that you don't have that kind of personal belief, read on. Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic philosopher turned Roman emperor, said, Here is a rule to remember in the future. When anything tempts you to feel bitter, not this is misfortune, but to bear this worthily is good fortune. It's entirely within our power to determine how we think about and talk about our problems. They can be a nuisance or a stepping stone. They can hold us down or lift us up. In fact, Stoic philosophers like Aurelius believe that outside events hold no power over us at all. We create our own reality with our minds. Reject your sense of injury and the injury itself disappears. That's another quote by Marcus Aurelius. Take some time here. To ponder that statement. How willing are you to consider that your life is the way it is not because of the weight of your circumstances or situation, but rather the weight of self talk that pulls you down? That what you think you can and cannot do is influenced much more directly by some subconscious response than by the reality of life itself. If you keep looking out there, outside of yourself, to your circumstances and feverishly working to get out of them, you'll keep getting the same response. No power, no joy, no vitality. At best, it's a seesaw of success, disappointment, happiness, and despair. Sometimes, your circumstances just don't change. Sometimes they stagnate and crystallise. What if that thing you're working toward, that thing you're sure will make you happier, better, or more confident, doesn't happen? What then? Even if it does arrive someday, what happens to your life between now and that day? This book will require you to seek the answer, not out there. But inside of yourself, it's not that you have to find the answer. You are the answer. As I've said to my clients many, many times, people spend their lives waiting for the cavalry. All the while never realizing they are the cavalry. Your life is waiting on you to finally show up retrain your brain, one word at a time. All this talk about our subconscious isn't just a bunch of psycho babble. Scientists have discovered that our thoughts can actually change the physical structure of our brain. This phenomenon, neuroplasticity, is revolutionizing the way we think about the human mind. As we go through life learning and experiencing new things, Our brain is constantly arranging and rearranging the neural pathways that control how we think and behave. The best part is we direct our thoughts in a way that consciously modifies these pathways for ourselves. And the easiest way to shape those thoughts is through conscious, decisive self-talk. The kind of talk that cuts through and takes control of your life. Just like we build habits by repeating an action until it becomes automatic, we can use strong, assertive language over time to create lasting change in our lives. It's more than just happy thoughts. Don't break out the candy canes just yet. You're affecting your brain's very biology. We can determine our emotions by steering our thoughts. We can shape those thoughts by being conscious of and diligent about our words and the kind of language we engage in. A lot of this will come down to your basic tolerance of your current mindset and your willingness to change it. It all starts by making a conscious choice to talk in a way that's helpful rather than harmful, by using the right kind of language and framing our problems in a more readily accessible light we can quite literally change the way we see and interact with the world. All that stuff you've heard and read about creating your own reality, it's not only possible, but millions of people the world over are already doing it. And the best part is, they're not only creating it, they are in fact acting on it and living it. Remember, no matter how difficult Challenging or pressing life circumstances can be, how you fundamentally relate to and engage with those circumstances will have the biggest say in how they turn out. Again, the answer is inside you rather than outside you. How we talk, think about, and therefore perceive our surroundings is the very foundation for our reality. Create the reality you want to live in by beginning the process of having the kind of conversations with yourself and others that actually shape that reality. A simple way that I reframe my own everyday problems is by relating to them as opportunities. They instantly become items in my life that I use to educate and expand myself. I become curious and engage with them rather than my usual default annoyed and frustrated self. Assertive versus narrative. How the heck does one create their own reality by shifting your self-talk from being a streaming narrative where you talk about yourself, others and life, a dialogue of opinion? and judgment, to being assertive, where you cast all of the default noise aside and assert your power right here and now. One of the first mistakes we make is when we talk about what we're going to do or who we will be. Don't even get me started on should or try. Subconsciously, we are already determining when that will be happening, and it's certainly not in this moment of time. One of the reasons why we so often abandon New Year's resolutions is because they usually use language to describe what we're going to do, i.e. later. All too often, they begin with what we're not going to do, Which leaves us enthusiastic at the beginning, but out of juice when faced with the inevitable moment when reality takes a swing at your face. You'll be standing there, alone, in the giant hole in your life, left open by that behavior that you're apparently stopping. Those are the moments in life when your internal dialogue runs riot. What if you've promised yourself to lose weight? and are craving pizza. Or if you promise to save some money, but that jacket you just can't live without is suddenly on sale. How does one deal with those moments when the enthusiasm wanes and those old thought patterns re-emerge? What are you going to do instead? Assertive self-talk is when you stake a claim for this moment of time, right here And now, when you start to talk in terms of I am, or I embrace, or I accept, or I assert, all of which are powerful and commanding uses of language rather than the narrative of I will, or I'm going to, the physiological and psychological impact of using in the moment Assertive language is not only powerful, it has a very real, in-the-moment effect. There's a massive difference between I am relentless and I will be relentless. One of those statements intervenes in this moment of your life. The other lives more like a description of what's to come rather than what's here. All of this will require you to try out assertive speaking in your daily life and catch yourself when you're using the more general narrative kind of speaking. Using this book In this book, you'll find my hand-picked selection of personal assertions to empower, enliven, uplift, and embolden you to take action in your day-to-day life. You'll also see quotes from famous historical figures, philosophers, and snippets of scientific findings, all of which are there to add weight to my approach, but not to prove it. While all of this is well and good, the only real way to read and interact with this book is to explore it for yourself and try on what I'm saying. Take the time to think, ponder, and experiment for yourself. There is no greater knowledge than the knowledge you have verified for yourself in your own experience. If you take on the following pages as a personal experiment rather than an assessment of the content, you just may end up experiencing the most radical, life changing exercise you have ever engaged with. Some of this will confront, annoy, jar, and exasperate you. Fine. Get over yourself and read on. Like a good movie, it all comes together in the end. If you're easily offended, stop reading now and re-gift this to someone in your life who you think might benefit from it. I hope that this book will help you understand the complexity and power of self-talk and how to use it as a force for good in your life. While we are not going to delve into the creative and destructive forces of language, you'll get a sense of the ways in which your life experiences are formed and shaped in your everyday thoughts and internal conversations. These pages will require you to think to cognitively connect your language and your feelings in a real and conscious way with your everyday life, to explore the vast landscapes of life that present themselves when you begin to understand the magical connection between how you speak and how you feel. I recommend reading the book in its entirety and take notes. You can flag the parts that ring your particular bell That being said, I've designed this book to be as accessible and useful to as many people as possible. Each chapter, though part of the whole, stands on its own, so you should dip in and out of it as much as you like. Use this book up. trawl through the words for what you need to make the difference in your life until its pages are tired and weary from your appetite for change. In the day-to-day living of your life, you probably won't need to keep poking your nose in here forever, although you might, and that's okay. So the real intention here is for you to use these ideas as a starting point whenever you're stuck or in need of rejuvenation. At those times, dive right in, drink from these pages, and unleash the kind of you that the world has yet to see. Enjoy. Chapter 2 I am willing. You have the life you're willing to put up with. Think about it. What are the problems? Those heinous, dark shadows currently spoiling the warmth and happiness of your otherwise blissful life. Do you hate your job? Are you in a bad relationship? Is there something wrong with your health? Fine. Get a new job. End the relationship. Change your diet and exercise or locate the kind of help you need. Seems simple, doesn't it? Even when it comes to the things you seemingly had no say in, like the death of a loved one or losing your business, you have a massive say. In the ways you live your life and the aftermath of those events. If you're not willing to take the actions to change your situation, in other words, if you're willing to put up with your situation, then whether you like it or not, that is the life you have chosen. Before you think, but, or start to get your knickers in a twist, let me say one more thing. By defending your circumstances as they are right now, you are actually making a case for being where you are. Give it up. No buts. You can't afford them. They're excess baggage on a trip that requires you to travel light. Circumstances don't make the man. They only reveal him to himself. That's a quote by Epictetus. As Epictetus points out, the true meaning of who you are won't be found in your circumstances, but rather the way in which you respond to them. To start this new process, you must first stop another one. Stop blaming luck. Stop blaming other people. Stop pointing to outside influences or circumstances. Stop blaming your childhood or neighborhood. This approach is fundamental to everything that I talk about in these pages. You cannot, I repeat, cannot dwell in any blame game in your life. Even blaming yourself is completely useless. Of course you'll face situations that you seemingly can't control. You may even face tragic circumstances like disability, disease, or the death of a loved one. But there is always something you can do to impact those circumstances, even if you've had them for years and still can't see a way. But first, you must be willing. To fully embrace my approach, you must first accept that while there are things that have happened in your life that you had no say in, you are 100% responsible for what you do with your life in the aftermath of those events. Always. Every time. No excuses. The dictionary describes willingness as the quality or state of being prepared. Readiness. In other words, willingness is a state in which we can engage with life and see a situation from a new perspective. It starts with you and ends with you. No one can make you willing. And you cannot move forward until you are willing to make the next move. When you're finally willing, you can literally experience that willingness that innate freedom that courses through your veins, and similarly, when you're not, the kind of primordial stuckness that halts and presses down on you like some invisible weight on your chest. Believe me, I hear you. I am willing, but... Every time you add the but to the end of that statement, you turn yourself into the victim. In my many years as a coach and mentor, I've heard as many complex life situations as there are. From the darkest of pasts to the weight and gravity of the present or crippling fear of the future, I've heard them over and over and over again. You have to hear what I'm saying in the way that it's intended. I'm not saying these things to inflame you. Well, maybe I am, But the intention is to inflame you to your own potential, to make you realize your own greatness, not just to piss you off. Take the case. Imagine for a moment that willingness is missing in your life. Not some wispy, sheepish willingness, but rather a bold willingness, the kind of willing state where you are ready for what's next and ready to act on it. Willingness to change. Willingness to let go. Willingness to accept. Real, magical, inspired willingness. Finding the door. Fate leads the willing and drags along the reluctant. That quote is by Seneca. Seneca. Either you control your destiny or your destiny will control you. Life won't stop for your pauses and procrastinations. It won't stop for your confusion or fear. It will continue right along without you. Whether you play an active part or not, the show will go on. That's why one of the first personal assertions I teach to my clients is I am willing. Before you can say that to yourself honestly, you must first ask yourself the question, am I willing? That question demands an answer. It can't just be left there in the nothingness of the universe. Am I willing? It pulls for a response. Am I willing? Its power is irresistible. I cannot escape its press for truth. Am I willing to go to the gym? Am I willing to work on that project I've been putting off? Am I willing to face my social fears? Am I willing to ask for a raise or quit this shitty job? In short, are you willing to stop living the life you have and start living the life you're after? It all begins. With the emergence of willingness, that liquid, constantly expanding and contracting state where life springs and seeds, and all of it is within you at the flick of a linguistic switch. We often view ourselves as procrastinators or lazy or unmotivated, when in reality, we're simply unwilling. We put things off or avoid them completely. Because we tell ourselves we just don't want to do it, or that we can't do it. Instead of viewing this behaviour as a character flaw, let's create a sense of willingness where there's apparently none. A spark of potential, if you like. You are a master generator of this state of openness and potential. Once upon a time in your life, this state was easy to access, enlivened by the vigor of youth or the curiosity of childhood. Somehow, over the years, we lost touch with this magical state. The famous philosopher and political scientist Niccolò Machiavelli once said, Where the willingness is great, the difficulties cannot be great. Consider that for a second. It does not matter what you're facing in life, which obstacle you're trying to overcome. If you're willing to generate that state of willingness, that's your doorway to making the effort, taking the steps, dealing with the setbacks, and ultimately creating the progress and changing your life that you're seeking. That's why such a simple statement, I am willing, is so profound you become enlivened and empowered by its promise, open to its allure. I ask again, are you willing? When the door is closed, maybe you are, in fact, unwilling. In many cases, that may actually be the best answer you can give. Sometimes declaring your unwillingness can be just as powerful as declaring your willingness. Are you willing to live with a body that's unhealthy? No. Are you willing to continue living paycheck to paycheck? No. Are you willing to put up with unworkable, unsustainable relationships? No. I am unwilling. Unwillingness ignites resolve and determination. It provides an access to taking a robust and urgent approach to your situation. When you're unwilling, it often represents a line in the sand where you are no longer willing to go back the way you came. Only when you're unwilling to continue just simply existing, feeling unsatisfied and unfulfilled, will you make the effort necessary to make a change. Only when you're unwilling to put up with the bullshit any longer will you grab your shovel and start digging. At times, there is no greater motivation to change than the unwillingness to do this any longer. Which one works for you in your life currently? I am willing or I am unwilling? Can you see how being unwilling can potentially be just as powerful as being willing? Depending on the circumstance, some of us feel more empowered by the assertion I am willing, while for others declaring I am unwilling gives them strength and resolve. You might find yourself motivated by both equally depending on the situation, whichever category you fall into. You can not only shift the personal assertion, you can reframe the way you approach your problems. For example, are you willing to find a new job? Yes, I am willing. Are you willing to stay in a job you hate? No, I'm unwilling. Both assertions can be just as effective. It's up to you to determine which one fits your persona and situation. Which one does it for you? The power of purpose. There's another way for your unwillingness to free you from the hamster wheel. Because sometimes it doesn't matter what you ask yourself or how many times you've said it. You just can't muster the willingness long enough to change anything. You might well be one of life's great starters but not finishers at the end of it all, you might have to face the cold reality that you've been all too willing to remain the same. You've been unwilling to fundamentally change your life and lose that weight for good. That somewhere in there, you're okay with living this way. I mean, come on, you must be, or you would have changed it by now. At some level, you must have some tolerance. ...for having your life turn out like this. That's actually okay. Getting straight with yourself... ...about having made the decision... ...to stay where you are... ...can be just as powerful... ...as a decision to move. Why? Because sometimes recognizing... ...that you... ...willingly put yourself in a place... ...where you are unhappy is often all the impetus required to make an opening for real and lasting change. This has to be done without blaming yourself and turning yourself into a victim of some internal blip or character flaw. And the moment you realize you have cognitively and systematically put yourself here, guess what? That's right, you can cognitively And systematically get yourself out. This is also the foundation of granting yourself the grace of acceptance, of embracing what has been and daring yourself to reach for an unimaginable future. He is a wise man who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for those which he has. That's another quote by Epictetus. By stating and facing your unwillingness to change, you can take stock of yourself and your life and begin to create a sliver of light for you to at least start. The secret is, once you've separated the task, or whatever it is you're dealing with, from the drama of the past, you may find yourself more open to tackling it you'll be able to get past the emotional swirl and straight to the heart of the issue itself. Reaching for the stars with short arms. Some goals simply aren't connected to a reality. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for reaching for the stars and striving for things that seem impossible. For instance, we'd probably all like to be filthy rich. But are you willing to do what it takes to make that much money? Are you willing to work 60, 70 or 80 hours a week or skip vacations to do the work that needs to get done? Are you willing to take on more responsibility and importantly risk it all? Have you, in reality, confronted and dealt with what becoming filthy rich might really demand of you? the seemingly endless drain in your life and mind space. Our society has produced such a headlong rush to be the wealthiest, the smartest, the prettiest, the best dressed, the funniest or the strongest. And somewhere in there, we have lost the ability to just be ourselves, free to breathe life and choose our own path, rather than carry the burden of social, or familial expectation. What does all that produce? Well, a lot of disappointed and unfulfilled human beings, that's for sure. That doesn't mean you should stop pursuing amazing life goals if that's what you really want. It also doesn't mean you should let yourself stagnate and stop improving either. There's nothing inherently wrong in working long hours and sacrificing your quality of life and some people might be perfectly content doing so in order to make the income or get the career they want. But so many of us have actually forgotten why we're pursuing what we're pursuing in the first place. All too often, we focus solely on what we don't have, even though deep down we don't really need it or perhaps even want it. When I lay these things out, you might be nodding your head. He's right. I don't need to be a millionaire. Or I don't even really want six-pack abs. Which, of course, is all fine until the next time you see that nice car and think, why don't I have that? Or when you look at the cover of a magazine and wonder, why don't I look like that? Or why aren't my clothes that nice? Making sure we're striving for what we really want Requires a constant check in with ourselves. It's not a one and done deal. If you really want those things, then go get them. Begin today. Lay out your strategy, deal with your reality, and most importantly, take the actions required and take them often. But if you're not willing to work an extra 10, or 20 hours a week just to drive to work in a BMW instead of a Honda, give up the complete waste of precious headspace to yearn for it. Stop pretending to yourself. Deal with your unwillingness to take on the kind of actions accomplishing those things would require, and accept that you have been bullshitting yourself. You'll have a lot more capacity for loving the life you do have and create some room to begin striving for the things you actually want in life. I am unwilling to give up all my favorite foods just to have the body I did when I was 20. I am unwilling to trade time with my family for an extra zero on my paycheck. Face your reality. Once you adopt the mindset of I am unwilling, You'll no longer be filled with guilt, resentment or regret every time you see something you think you want. You'll be in a place where you're connected to and in tune with your real life. And if you really want to pursue those things in the future, you'll be able to locate yourself from that reality and plot your road to accomplish them. Chart your path. One of the beautiful things about really taking a hard look at your life and goals is that doing so forces you to reevaluate the path that leads to them. Is exercising 30 minutes a day really as impossible as your mind has built it up to be? Sure, you're going to get a little sweaty, tired, but you can throw on your favorite music to help the time go by faster. And even though it might start out painfully, you'll eventually get used to that and grow stronger. What's the worst thing that can happen if you offer your idea in that meeting? It gets shot down? So what? Even if you're faced with bigger tasks, much bigger tasks, like years of back taxes, a hoarder's paradise of a garage, telling the truth to someone you've been lying to, the path to change starts with that same glimmer of willingness. Bear in mind, we all tend to build things up in our minds to be a lot bigger than they really are. Telling the truth becomes a trek to the Sahara Desert and back. If that's the case for you, try breaking the task down into smaller declarations of willingness to stand up, get out of bed, open my email, etc. Of course, you might well be dealing with something much bigger than these examples. But even when you ramp it up, the same model works exceptionally well. Let's say you've been holding on to a dark secret. Maybe you're ashamed, or guilty, or resentful. Perhaps this is something that could change your life in a significant way. Am I willing to tell the truth to that person I've been lying to? When you frame it this way, coming clean becomes an occasion to talk, listen, and then deal with the consequences. You might be dreading it, but you can do it. It's not the task that's important. It's the life that's available after that's at stake here. When you are free to be open and available, with nothing held back, no lies, no withholds, or half-truths, you really are your most expressive, most alive self. Most of the time, the task we are actually facing is a lot simpler than we think it is. The problem is, we usually don't take the time to really look at it. Some of the things we face certainly can be challenging. But at the same time, what's on the other side of those challenges is a life of our dreams, a life where we are willing and open and inspired to take it on. Make that assertion I am willing. Plant your flag. When you start to view the world through the lens of what you're willing, And unwilling to pursue, rather than what it seems you want and don't want, things start to become a lot clearer. Instead of wasting time worrying about the things other people have, you'll start focusing on what's really important to you in your life. You'll realise that once you replace envy, lust, and desire with a willingness to change your life for the better, things really start to take shape when we understand what we are genuinely willing to do we take back control over the subconscious thoughts and feelings that previously directed our behavior away from where we truly wanted to go you have the ability to determine what your truth is and not from some subconscious glitch that keeps popping up from the past either but instead from your cognitive and conscious self, from the power of intervening on behalf of yourself. Willingness is a truth, a true beauty that only you can generate. No longer will thoughts like, I'm a failure because I'm not a millionaire, or I'm lazy because I'm not a size six, have the power to make you feel like crap because you've owned your choices. Once you frame the obstacles in your life as a matter of willing and unwilling, instead of weighing yourself down with negative opinions of yourself and your circumstances, you can break through the self-imposed barriers that are truly holding you back. You can see through the distractions of self-talk and drama. You'll realize that when you're willing to do what it takes Nothing else matters. You won't put off the things you're truly willing to do. You won't neglect the responsibilities you took on because you'll feel the strong sense of willingness to do them. Willingness. It's the lifeblood of the new, the infinite well of possibility and potential, a state where new futures arise and a whole new you can begin. Ask yourself, Am I willing? Over and over until you can hear it. First thing in the morning. Last thing at night. While you're driving. While in the shower. Am I willing? Ask, ask, ask. Until a resounding yes echoes through your consciousness. I am willing. I ask you again. Are you willing? Chapter 3 I am wired to win. What if I told you that even when you think you're losing in life, you're actually winning. That everything that happens is really a victory. It's true. And that's not just some feel-good, self-help mumbo-jumbo or a sales line that I'm feeding you. You're a champion. You've knocked out goal after goal. Cruising to an undefeated record. Everything you set your mind to comes true. You're probably starting to think I've lost my mind, or maybe even that you've lost yours. Perhaps you're convinced I'm talking to somebody else. Anyone but you. Let me explain before we both end up like a couple of basket cases. Imagine this scenario. For what seems like all of your life... You've been searching for love. That one special person to share your life with. But up to this point, it hasn't happened. Remember, this is an example. You can use any area of your own life where you have experienced being stuck in a cycle. You've met people, had relationships, but all of them ended somewhere short of forever. You and the one just never materialized. The fairy tale inevitably came to an end. Often, a very familiar kind of end. After a while, you start losing hope. You start to wonder whether you will ever meet the person of your dreams. Maybe you and relationships just aren't meant to be. Will anyone ever love me? Am I worthy of being loved? Why do I always seem to attract the same types of people? You look back at your childhood, to times when you didn't feel loved enough, or periods of adolescence where you felt like an outsider, or past relationships that played out like a scene from the movie Groundhog Day except with different players each time. So frustrating. Then one day, you meet someone. You go on a few dates, and you find out you really enjoy each other's company. Things are coming along nicely as the days stretch into weeks and the weeks into months. Eventually, that day comes when you can't help yourself. You exchange your first I love yous. Not only are you in love, but you start to wonder. Could they be the one? Could this be it? Whee! The bliss, excitement, and possibility are invigorating and enlivening. At some point, however, the dark clouds of doubt start rolling in. It starts in small ways that grow first slowly. And then all at once, the storm finally breaks loose. No sooner are you in love than you start to fall out. Way out. The smallest things turn into arguments. The chemistry slowly evaporates until your relationship is a desert, barren and dry. And you're left with the soul destroying basics of just trying to get along. Ugh, not again. At some point, you both can see it's not working. Perhaps you reach a breaking point and have one or a number of those nasty fallings out. Maybe it just slowly dies until you eventually decide to pull the plug. Either way, you eventually go your separate ways. Oh well, you're hurt, crushed. But somehow resolute that eventually things will turn out for you, someday. Except they did. Even though it may look and feel like a loss, This was, in fact, a glorious, resounding win. A victory from the gods. Hurrah! The truth of it is, you are winning at the life you have. What if I don't want this life? Fine, but this is the one you're currently winning at. Building the mystery. How could I possibly call... A failed relationship, a win. Well, I'm not about to tell you how you're better off without certain people in your life. I'm not going to assure you that you're a special little snowflake who will find the perfect person when you're ready. I'm not going to buy into the self righteous bumper stickers and internet memes that tell you how great you are and that everyone else is the problem. You and I both know that when it comes down to it, that's just not accurate. Nope. You wanted that failed relationship because you achieved exactly what you set out to accomplish in the first place, from the very first hello. But, but my partner wasn't stepping up. They ruined it. I got that. But what if you subconsciously picked that person in the first place? The kind of ideal character to recreate the same vignettes of life over and over and over. What if you are actually driven to prove the notion that no one will ever love